We hope you enjoy this message from St. Martin C3, a location of C3 Church, Christchurch. Right, I am going to just take 20 minutes of our time. I want to read some scripture, some uh, passage from the Bible for us to reflect on. And I want to tell us this morning about a really significant person in scripture. This person is one of the few who speaks directly with God. He's one of the few people who uh, receive from God what we would call a covenantal blessing from him. But the reason they are most significant is because this person is the only person in all of Scripture to give God a name. They look at God and they see him for who he is and they choose to name him. And what is more is that the name that they give him is so beautiful and so profound that it makes sense of who God is in Scripture. And if we were to know God the way that this person knew God, it would not only enrich our relationship with God, but it would have a profound effect on all of our life. Before I tell you what name this person gives to God, let me tell you who they are and a little bit about their story. This person's name is a woman called Hagar. Have you heard of Hagar? Who's heard of her before? You've heard that, that name? It might be vaguely familiar to you, but if we're honest, well, often when we think of Hagar, usually we think of the horrible one from the comic strips, you know? Hagar the horrible and that, that sort of slightly depressed Viking who can't really work out how to do life and uh, is, is down begotten. Uh, yeah, so that's who we normally think of. And if you were to make a list of top Bible characters, I don't think uh, Hagar would make your list. No, you'd be thinking of, of David or, or Jesus or uh, the boy with the loaves and the fishes or the boy who cried wolf, but, but certainly not Hagar. She probably wouldn't make you list it at all, and you may not even be that familiar with her. What we're going to do is we're going to explore her story. Hagar was the servant of Sarai and Abram, and you might know them better as Sarah and Abraham, but at this part of their story, that's how they're known. Uh, this is fairly early on in their story, when God had promised them to have a child from whom would come the nation of Israel through all nations on earth would be blessed. However, they were getting on in years. Abraham was 86 and there was no child. So Sarai comes up with a plan, a plan that would have huge consequences for Hagar. We're going to read her story this morning. Uh, Genesis chapter 16. Now Sarai, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go, sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan ten years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. Now, this was actually a really common practice in the ancient world, to use your servant as a surrogate mother. It's actually, in the ancient way of thinking, not that big a deal. But there is an indication in the text here that Abraham has not done right. There are two phrases here that are only used together in one other place in Scripture. So here's a little quiz for you. We're going to look at phrases here. Where else in Scripture... Do we read of, and here's a hint, it's before Genesis 16, someone taking something and giving it to her husband? And where else do we read of someone agreeing with someone else or listening to them and it having disastrous consequences? 
Yeah? Adam and Eve. Thank you very much, Andrew. That was excellent. Adam and Eve, the very first, one of the very first stories in all of Scripture repeats this pattern, where instead of trusting God, they take matters into their own hands and they mess it up. And that's exactly what we see happening right throughout the book of Genesis and right throughout Scripture. People who mess things up and how God has to come in, step in and redeem and solve them. So Abraham and Sarai are supposed to be the solution to the problem that Adam and Eve caused. Yet here they are simply repeating the problem and jeopardizing God's rescue plan. It seems that the apple does not fall far from the tree. Or at least the forbidden fruit does not fall far from the tree. They make some bad decisions and it becomes a a real mess. Genesis 16 verse 4. He, Abraham, slept with Hagar and she conceived when, when she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarai said to Abraham, You are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my slave in your arms, and now that she knows she's pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Your slave is in my hands, Abraham said. Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarai ill-treated Hagar, so she fled from her. Think about the story from Hagar's perspective. She's a slave. She's used as a surrogate mother. She elevates herself and she begins to despise Sarai. And then she's mistreated, badly mistreated, by the people we would say are the good guys, the heroes of faith. And it turns out, as it unfortunately often does, that the heroes of faith are real jerks, really. And they, they mess this up. They do wrong. They do bad. And so Hagar is abused and she is cast out. And the other thing to note from this story is that in all their dealings with her, she's nameless. Every time Sarai or Abraham mentions her in their conversations, she's simply referred to as my slave or your slave. She's nameless. She had no value in their eyes other than someone to be used for their own selfish gain. They were uh, trying to manipulate God's plan and produce an heir. And that must have been tremendously demoralizing for Hagar. And so she goes on the run. She is pregnant with what is supposed to be the firstborn in God's own family. This was supposed to be the Instagram life where everything goes well. Pulled out of slavery in Egypt to be the mother of a mighty nation. Yet it seems that she will now live alone and unknown. Gosh, have you ever felt like she must have felt? Either in a big way or a small way. You had an idea of what life was supposed to be like, but the reality was was far removed. Now, this is true for all parts of life, but because today's Mother's Day, we're going to pick on mums for a little bit, because motherhood shows this in a really big way. Becoming a mum seems like A great idea. I look on social media and I see so many happy mums and cute babies, smiling babies, miraculously, and it just seems so amazing. And babies are amazing. Uh, An example of this is you can go on YouTube and you can look for, for hours on end at cute babies. So just for fun, here's about 90 seconds of really cute babies.
catch him. I don't know why he does this. <laughs> okay, whenever you're ready. You'll try again. Hello. Oh, very cute. Who would not want that, right? That just looks amazing. Uh, yeah, I'll have one of those, thank you. That just seems amazing. But those who are actually uh, mothers will tell you that parenting is actually not all like that. There are moments of that, and it's beautiful. It is great. It's a wonderful thing. But there are some very hard moments and some very long, long days. Some, like Sarai, struggle with infertility. Some people... Uh, like Hagar, have messed up situations with their family that just make everything complicated. And even if it all goes according to plan, at the end of the day, you have a dependent, helpless baby that turns into a child with a mind of its own. Some days throw big challenges your way. When Zoe, our oldest child, was one year old, Joanna was at home with her one day. She went outside to put the washing out. Zoe was about two metres away, just through the ranch slider, and uh, she just reached up and she closed the door. And then she locked it. Now, you try telling a one-year-old how to unlock a door. Can you just unlock that for me? They don't have any idea. There was no key outside. Joanna didn't have a phone on her. And the laundry door was open. And inside the laundry door uh, was the washing powder, which looks an awful lot like sherbet. And so there was quite a bit of concern and no way of actually getting inside. So Joanna had to leave Zoe there and go next door to a neighbor's house. And they weren't home. And so she went to another neighbor's house, and they weren't home. And she went to a third neighbor's house, and they were home. And she thought the only way to get a key is to get me to come home. But we'd just moved uh, into Christchurch, and so she didn't have my number. And so she had to call her auntie to get my number, to finally call me and to get me to come home. And, and Zoe wasn't very good at playing by herself, but miraculously, this one time, she just sat inside the door and just had a grand old time by herself, and everything ended up fine. But motherhood, parenthood, brings these moments. They have, there are hard days. There are days uh, when it can feel overwhelming. You're not sure how you're going to make it through. The constant noise, the mess, and the neediness. And sometimes that's from the, the dad. <laughs> the children also do the same. The lack of sleep that in some nations is used as a torture tactic. The strain it puts on your relationship. And the lack of alone time, they all add up. That's before they even turn five. We have days when we wonder who cares about all of this work we have to do. And then the next day, we have to do that work all over again. Who cares? 
Who knows? I was looking at a study that was published on recreation time uh, last month. It showed two very important things. The first was that, for some reason, men get 40 minutes more recreation time than women per day. Guys, we need to fix that. The second was that it showed that the two times in life you get the least recreation time. And the second least is when you have children between the ages of zero zero and five. And then, interestingly, the time of life when you get the least recreation time is when your kids are teenagers. I think it's because you basically turn into a taxi service. Is that right? I'm looking at the parents of teenagers. Uh, and you've, you know, works more, got a bit more responsibility. You're out evenings. You've got work to take home. Less recreation time. And so you have uh, all of these responsibilities. And you wonder, how can I make it through? How can we get through to make those days more bearable? And it's not just about mums. All of us, I think, struggle with, How do we make it through? As we continue to look at Hagar's life, we find that there is hope. Genesis 16, verse 7. The angel of the Lord, she's run away. The angel of the Lord found her near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. And this is is awesome. Sarai and Abraham just called her a slave girl. But when the angel, the messenger from God, turns up, What does he say? Let's have a listen to what the angel says. And he said, Hagar, calls her by name, gives her significance. This one who speaks with the very words of God. Slave of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she told her. Go back to your mistress. Submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. This is this covenantal blessing. The angel of the Lord also said to her, You are now pregnant, and you will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man, which which means that he will be free like she longed to be. His hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility towards all his brothers. She is told to dig in. She may have longed for God to rescue her. God did not. He didn't promise to end Hagar's troubles. God didn't fix her problems or make them go away or let her go home. In some ways, Hagar's life just gets harder. Hagar's life is not a fairy tale. Instead, God honors her and empowers her to do what is required of her. God said she is to have a son, and his name shall be Ishmael. That means God hears. God listens. God is paying attention. In the midst of your affliction, God has heard your cry. He hears what is going on with you. And for the rest of her life, imagine this. She would be saying, Ishmael, God hears. Uh, And she would have this very constant reminder that God is hearing her. Imagine uh, she's at home and she wants her son to do something. And so she yells out, God hears, God hears, come and set the table. God hears, it's time for bed. Every moment there would be this reminder for her that God heard her as he hears us. And then, and then she does what no other person in Scripture does. 
She names God. Genesis 16, verse 13. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. Alroy. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. That is why the well was called Be'er Lahoi Roy. It is still there between Kadesh and Berid. So Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram gave the name Ishmael to the son she had born. She names him Alroy, the God who sees. You are the God who sees. And in knowing that, there is a sense of worship. I will devote myself to the God who sees. Now, Hagar is a minor character in the story of Abraham. Yet in God's eyes, she was no less important. He saw her. He heard her. He provided for her. Don't know about you, but there are times when we can feel like our lives are very small. When we think about all God deals with every day. Do the details of our life really matter? Do we really matter? Is there someone who hears us? Is there someone who sees all those moments, those hard days, who sees what's going on? When we are happy, when we're sad, when we're grieving, when we fail, as she had done, when people fail us, is there someone who knows? Is there someone who still loves us? And the story of Hagar teaches us and tells us something that I think we should all embrace. That whatever we're going through, whatever we've gone through, whatever is happening for us, we have a God who sees. And we can go to him. And we can have him make a difference in our lives. How much of a difference would it make for us if we knew that God had seen all that has happened in our lives? When we're changing those dirty nappies. When we've had a really hard day. When we have failed. When others treat us unjustly. God was there in those moments. He saw and he cared. How would it be for us if we knew that God will see everything that will happen? He's already seen it. He already knows it. Those anxious nights where we wait for our teenagers to come home. That moment in our lives when we have to readjust for one reason. When we just can't see the next step in front of us. God sees all of those moments for mums, but it's for all of us. We all have wilderness moments in our lives and we need to know that that is who God is for us. He sees us and he cares. He reaches out with his care. And this is what Jesus affirms to us in Luke chapter 12 where he says, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? They are the cheapest of all living creatures you could buy. Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn. Yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you, you are, than the birds? We have tremendous value and care through our God. And in our Savior, Jesus. Can I challenge and encourage us today, wherever we're at, maybe with someone who followed after God all of our lives, but we still have these moments which are really hard. You can bring them to the God who sees. 
And maybe you're here today and you're, you're not a Christian or you're exploring faith. May you be encouraged this week to know you're not alone. That there is someone here who loves you and who cares for you. God sees and he cares about them. And then we, as a community of believers, can be those who show that care, who show that concern to others. You are not doing this alone. It makes a massive difference. It made a massive difference to Hagar. She could face uh, even possibly uh, mistreatment because she knew that she was doing it with God. And it should have a similar impact upon us. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To learn more about our church, visit c3chch.org.